Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's episode, we'll be talking about development finance. And so if any of you is interested in working at organizations such as the IFC, which is the International Finance Corporation, or World Bank, or other similar organizations, then this episode should be interesting to you. So let me introduce our guest. Her name is Mariam Zamadil, and Mariam is an Associate Investment Officer at the IFC, the International Finance Corporation. And she spent pretty much all of her career working in finance. Uh, before joining IFC, Mariam was a banker with the EBRD for a couple of months. EBRD stands for European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. And before that, she was in investment banking. She was a senior equity analyst, followed by becoming the head of equity research with Halek Finance, which is a bank based out of Kazakhstan. In terms of her educational background, Mariam has a double master's. She has a master's in accounting and finance from Ross School of Business, University of Michigan. And she also has an MBA with a focus on finance from Kellogg School of Management, Northwestern University. So, yep, that's what we'll be talking about today. Before we get into the discussion, I have two very quick requests for you. One, if you find LED helpful, if you're finding the podcast a useful resource for you, then please do leave a review. Whichever app you're using to listen to the podcast, just go ahead and leave us a review. And if you have any comments, if you have any feedback, if you have any suggestions or requests for areas that we should be covering on the podcast, please don't hesitate from dropping us an email. You can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. And of course, if you haven't already, you should uh, sign up for our newsletter. So we just go to the website at learneducatediscover.com. There you can sign up for the newsletter. And that's where we share updates on new episodes, as well as a lot of other helpful career resources. So do check it out on the website, learneducatediscover.com. All right, now let's go ahead and listen to what Mariam has to say about development finance. Hello, Sonali, and uh, hello to all the listeners. Hello, Mariam. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making time for this. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much for inviting to your show. <laughs> no, of course. You know, impact investing, uh, which as I understand is probably a subset of development finance. Uh, that's a field that a lot of people who are, are either subscribers to the LED newsletter or listeners of the podcast, they've expressed interest in learning more about this field. So I'm super glad that we're doing this discussion. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I was thinking that, you know, okay, let's, let's just dive right into the discussion. And let's begin with you sharing a little bit about your career path so far. I was looking at your profile, and it looks like you've spent most of your career in finance. But if you could tell us a little bit more about the steps that you've taken and why you decided to take those steps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so um, right after I finished uh, Ross, that was back in 2010, I came back to my home country, Kazakhstan, 
and um, I joined one of the large investment banks there in a research analyst capacity. Uh, so I was on the sales side, first covered mining, then oil and gas, um, and uh, other sectors. So I spent in equity research about five years. Basically, I uh, worked a lot with investors, got to know like a lot of corporates and um, regulatory environment in my country and like other Central Asian countries, Russia, etc. So for me, I think there was a certain point where I uh, realized that I wanted to take my career as like a step further and uh, to be able to do something more on a like larger scale, some like to work on projects and like investments, which actually would uh, have a bigger like impact on a larger scale in my country or like in my region. So I started to look at development finance institutions in our region and uh, I uh, joined uh, EBRD. EBRD is a European Bank for Construction and Development. It's more regional. Uh, they were set up right after the fall of the, I mean, they were set up to fund the investments in the post-Soviet countries first, and now they expanded to Africa, North Africa. So I joined their energy and natural resources team uh, and really enjoyed the kind of work I do there, the kind of projects I got to work on. Um, after that, I uh, decided to continue with uh, my um, MBA education. And uh, uh, at Kellogg, IFC came um, to our campus and they were recruiting uh, from our school. So I applied since um, it seemed like a good fit given my background, mm-hmm. given my long-term interests. And uh, so that's how I ended up here at IFC. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing your journey so far with us. I guess maybe you can tell us a little bit about your field first before we get into what the IFC does. So as, as you mentioned while we were discussing the podcast, your field is called development finance. So wh- what does that mean? What does someone in development finance do? So basically, we invest in uh, projects um, which generate uh, not only financial return, but we also look at social environmental return on our investments. So there should be a strong case for development impact and strong case for additionality if uh, we are investing in a certain country. So, uh, I mean, it's there is a lot of uh, like, I mean, that's how in the market now, like impact investing uh, is being defined. Hmm. Uh, but um, as I noticed, and I mean, I'm like relatively new to the field, but every organization, like, I mean, every DFI even, uh, if you look, has a little bit slightly different definition of what is impact investing and are they doing impact investing and like, how do they define it? Uh, so uh, what I noticed is that like, there is some misconception of the market that if it's impact investing, maybe there is no need for like economic or like commercial return in a project. But that is really not the case. For instance, here at IFC, when we look at projects, I mean, a commercial return is, I mean, that is a priority, is, is important. But of course, we if there is no development impact, we wouldn't proceed with the project. Right. So for instance, yeah. for instance, yes, for instance, if some projects has a very good IRR, but like development impact is, I mean, it's there, but it's not as strong. That, but the other project has, I mean, like scores very high on development impact scale, but on the financial return, maybe it's like, okay, it's not that great, but still like probably we'll do a project because on a portfolio basis, I mean, mm-hmm. we still achieve our commercial return, 
and we are achieving uh, the like development uh, impact targets which gotcha, we have. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is very helpful. So I, I I want to ask a couple of follow up questions, but I also want to clarify mm-hmm. certain things that you said. Uh, so. A, you mentioned uh, you, you you mentioned the acronym DFI, and I'm guessing DFI stands for Development Finance Institution. Yes, that's correct. Sorry, we that's... speak in acronyms here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned I I yeah you mentioned I R R, which is the uh, isn't that the, the internal it, rate of return internal rate project, of return yes correct mm-hmm. correct 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 okay so the way you're describing development finance is that uh, you're essentially investing in anything which gives not only a financial return that of course is important but also some sort of uh, social or uh, environmental return so uh, and and in in the in the case of IFC you're investing on a country or a region basis whereas if you're working i mean i guess you could also do this at a venture capital firm perhaps where you might be investing in companies but with the same lens correct no, no. So uh, here, I think the confusion is we we do invest. We invest on a company at a company level. We invest at a company level. We invest in like investment projects and across the globe. So I mean, in different countries, different regions. Some projects are global. So um, yeah, that's helpful. So it's it's not it's not at a country level. You're investing in in companies also. All right. Uh, maybe if we could take a step back and uh, kind of. Um, if just to explain to the audience, so we're like private investment arm of World Bank Group. But the World Bank Group itself, the bank also le- like lends to to countries, to governments, or to muni- municipalities. So interesting. Okay, that that's super helpful that you clarify. So IFC is a part of the World Bank. World Bank is more at mm-hmm. a government level, national level. You are much more at a private company level. Got it. Yes, that's that's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, how how do you measure? social impact or environmental impact what kind of metrics do you look at so yeah that's a very good question we um i think up to this year we had and probably that system is still staying we have like development outcome tracking so basically for example for every project which we do at the investment stage we look at okay in five years like how many jobs this project will create in country x um, how many uh, loans, for instance, if it's an, uh, like a commercial bank loan, uh, like how many loans to SMEs will be disbursed for this facility? And uh, what would be the multi- like multiplicative effect on the economy, on the GDP uh, of this investment? If it's, for example, a gender project, then we'll be looking at, okay, how many jobs for female would be created? Or how many enterprises run by female would be financed for this facility? Hmm. So there are very very specific metrics we look at when we are trying to uh, when we measure uh, impact. I see, I see. Okay, that that that's super helpful, and that that leads me to my next question: that can you share examples of the kind of things that you would be investing in if you are working in development finance? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So I guess just to give a broad overview of um, like different units and departments we have within uh, like IFC, for instance. So we have, I mean, um, infrastructure group, which in, in, invests more like into large infrastructure projects. Um, then we have uh, our group, which is like financial institutions group. We work mostly with commercial banks and uh, like other um, non-banking financial institutions. Uh, then we also um, we have like manufacturing, agriculture, and services sector, and uh, also health and education projects as well. So basically, we are 
like if we are willing to look at specifically the projects I've been like working on, I had exposure to. So we looked at uh, recently one of the projects we looked at was uh, uh, like online lender in um, Africa. They would inv- uh, lend purely through like a digital like a mobile app, and the whole credit scoring would be done using information which could be scrapped or like scrapped from a phone basically so that that is like some of the like right. new uh, comp- like types of uh, fintech types of companies we are we've been investing in Interesting. Um, as so, well so and, and then for for the ifc do you invest at a particular stage like is mm-hmm. it almost like mm-hmm. you're a venture capital firm investing in like a three people startup or no, no, no. Yeah. So that would be yeah. <laughs> that would be too early. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we 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 have a fintech group which invests in early stage um, equity, uh, but even that group, I mean, they typically don't invest in which is like very like in companies which are very early. So it would be maybe typically maybe Series B companies and the other like I mean mainstream products like if it's um, infrastructure that would be like project finance if it's. Uh, a uh, mass probably it would be either debt or equity investments. If it's a bank, it could also be uh, like a loan for on lending to SMEs, for instance, or mm. uh, maybe an equity investment into a particular bank. Uh, so uh, I mean, there is a very, very, very wide range of instruments we uh, we work with. Right, right, right. And and another thing I wanted to clarify with you is that when you say development finance and when you say impact investing, does that usually mean the same thing i I understand that you know there are always nuances but are they one and the same for the most part or are there big differences i mean i'm not an expert in this field yet (laughs) essentially it may seem like it's the same thing and we do like a development finance institution we also like we look at financial returns and we look at um, social returns impact investing i think uh, the ga definition is also that investments with the intent to generate both like financial and uh, right. social return. Right. So, I mean, in terms of definitionally, maybe it seems like it's the same thing. To me, it seems like the international, like we are, I mean, development finance institutions, maybe we're like one of the actors in this space. Like we are one of the actors in this sector, in the international impact, like investment ecosystem, which is out there in the market. So it's not only us. I mean, it's a whole bunch of other like impact investors and uh, other players in this space, foundations, etc. So, but if we were to look at this more like transactionally, I would say that probably we are one of the, if not the only ones, uh, like in this impact investor uh, space who we invest directly into projects, like into countries, into projects, while some of these like most of the impact investment funds I've seen, it's more like investments like through funds, more like indirect ex- exposure um, to the markets. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, m- maybe that is, I mean, based on what you said, it also sounded as if development finance tends to be much more institutional. Uh, you know, like you have huge company, I mean, huge organizations like IFC and World Bank who are, who are doing development finance, so to say, whereas impact investing can probably you can be referring to something a lot smaller, like, you know, a fund run by five people that's investing in in something that has financial and social returns. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. But also, I mean, within DFIs, like if you look at, I mean, some DFIs even, they don't use even the term like impact investing Hmm. or uh, they 
define themselves a little bit, I guess, differently. Or they say that we're doing like mainstream commercial kinds of investment with a social return. So I think one of the uh, reasons could be like why some of the DFIs I mean, intentionally don't use like impact investments or uh, like, lang- like uh, language is that that's um, misconception in the market that if it's impact investment, it may imply that it's not really commercial. Um, so oh, I see. even sometimes like here when we, I mean, some of the projects we see when people like clients bring, potential clients bring them, like, I mean, their returns. So even the clients themselves sometimes have misconception around what, what kind of returns we expect. But it right. has to be commercial. Even though there's development impact, we still need a commercial return on investment. Right. That, that's, that's a very good call out. So by commercial, you're referring to whether there's a financial return. And so development finance, it's more of a perception that people have that development finance explicitly deals with projects that have a financial return. Impact investing might not have a financial return, which is fine. I mean, it sounds like a perception issue then. Um, can you walk us through a project that you have worked on? And if you can't share a project because of confidentiality reasons, maybe share an example of the kind of project someone uh, who is in development finance would work on, and then we can go into details. So currently I'm in uh, digital financial services uh, team and um, within financial institutions group. So like investments we've been pursuing specifically with the aim of like helping banks in emerging markets to digitize and like to uh, offer more products through digital channels. That's like been one of the areas where we are looking to build our pipeline. Hmm. Uh, So yeah, I mean, the typical project I can think of is, I mean, if we have some bank in let's say africa which is a traditional like brick and mortar bank today but it wants to become a digital bank you know in five years Hmm. so maybe sooner so we would have i mean we also have advisory services here so basically our consultants would engage with them early on to help them with like assessment and uh, like initial to do initial work on uh, what what has to be done for them to 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 go on this digital transformation. Mm-hmm. And um, after like advisory starts work with them, we kind of get a feel of like, okay, what is their like CapEx need? Like how much capital investment uh, financing does this bank need to transform to digital? Mm. Or how much financing does it need so that it can own land through the newly created digital channels to the like uh, existing customers or maybe like new customers. So uh, that's like the kinds of uh, projects we would be um, like investing in, uh, in, in this bank or maybe even like, or maybe even equity investment into this bank. If I mean, that could also be an option. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there might be different forms in which you invest, but that's the kind of project that someone like you might be evaluating that does it make sense for us to, you know, give these people a loan or maybe take on certain equity as they go through this transformation into a digital bank. Um, can you give us an overview of the, you know, high level? What are the key stages in your project before you, uh, you know, from end to end? Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. So usually um, we are past like business development stage. We are first formal assessment by the investment review uh, committee. 
would be concept review. So the project, so we call it usually like bringing the, like to concept. Uh, so I would uh, bring the project to review by like senior management, uh, where we would tell the story, what is the business model, give them overview of management, uh, regulation, maybe unit economics uh, for this particular uh, project or like institution. Then um, would uh, share with them like, projections uh, if we have like financial model at that point so that would be like initial stage like concept review if a project is past concept review then we go on um, appraisal so we sign a mandate later with a client and we go on appraisal uh, for usually like a couple of days maybe to a week depending on in how many countries um, are their operations or how many business lines it has, etc. After appraisal, we come back and then we start uh, preparing the uh, materials and like our assessment, finalize the model for final, like for investment review. Um, so we call it IRM, it's investment review meeting. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so that is like the, I guess, the, when we, management and everyone, credit officer, lawyers, I mean, uh, insurance specialists, environmental and social specialists, I mean, it's a quite big team, about like 10, 10 people, sometimes even more. Everyone, I mean, just we look at the project from all angles. I mean, it's it's completely like a, it's a private equity approach to project. So well, we look at inside out and um, do sensitivity scenario analysis. And if the project is passed investment review, state, investment review then um, it goes to our board approval. Yeah, the board uh, receives like a board paper uh, where we actually we talk about the project, the business model, the financial financial returns expected, about the uh, social and development imp- impact, like returns expected from this project. And after board approval, I mean, after board approval and actually in parallel to it, we also continue to negotiate with the company, like the legal terms of the investment, like a term sheet. And um, then it goes to commitment. Uh, commitment is when we actually so commit, uh, like the project is, we commit the funds and uh, we are ready for disbursing of the project. Gotcha. Um, and um, after disbursement, the project goes to like our portfolio team, uh, which le- then like monitors and does all the subsequent work with a project until exit. Okay, okay. This is so good. Like such a comprehensive and very well structured <laughs> overview. Yeah, it's a... It's a very long process. <laughs> yeah, like how long does uh, this thing last from concept review to exit? Uh, no, uh, not not exit, but you uh, know, no, no, no. commitment. Yeah, yeah. So from concept to commitment, I mean, depending on the project, the sector, even the region, uh, like usually, I mean, the shortest I've heard people did like was three months. Oh, okay. the shortest, but the maximum, I think, I mean, on average, I think it's a maybe nine months to one year. Okay. And okay. Uh, the maximum, I think the longer projects tend to close in infrastructure and uh, it takes maybe like one and a half, two years, <laughs> maybe even more. Yeah. Um, depending, because sometimes it's, I mean, the environmental aspect, it takes like a long time to get everyone on board and uh, regulation is also like regulatory framework working with a regulator for example points for structure projects i mean it takes a long time yeah yeah i I can i completely understand this sounds like the kind of thing which will take time so you uh so you are an investment officer associate investment officer at ifc so are you one of the people who's driving this whole thing so you're figuring out what you know the financial model you're doing the concept review 
you are doing the investment review meeting so is is that the case and i'm sure you have a team also but are you one of the people or is this role one yeah. of the yeah mm-hmm. uh, yes so i mean um yes there is investment team which works on the project so investment team is typically i mean depending on the, of course of the project but usually it's like two to three people sometimes mm-hmm. four people if it's more complex project um or if people have uh, like a lot of projects going on at the same time so usually it's two to three people um investment officers uh, one investment officer who's like relationship manager more senior person uh, with more like typically like 10 to 15 years of experience in this particular sector yeah. uh then it's an um investment officer uh, who is like the investment leader on the this particular deal so he's kind of like the heart of the transaction the person who orchestrates and handles all the conversations and like from concept to like disbursement um i mean uh is uh, working on the deal mm-hmm. and then uh, there is a typically uh, an analyst um, right on the investment team who does most of i mean uh like analyst level work so that's like the actual um, like excel modeling and stuff yes modeling i mean uh, drafts of like concepts yeah. so um that kind of work yeah but the, i mean io the io is usually the person investment officer is a person who drives the deal and uh basically is uh, responsible for the whole process kind of yeah so they're the ones who are okay okay that's Mm -hmm. helpful yeah and so i would imagine that let's say you are a grad student let's say you're an mba uh you would Mm -hmm. join as an associate investment officer right yes so you join as an associate investment officer and then i mean after two three years so i mean depending on how many deals you close and uh Uh, how is your overall performance? You uh, progress to IO to investment officer. Right. Um, yes, and then you'd. Uh, but uh, yes, and then you'd be able to like lead lead the deal uh, on your own. Yeah, yeah. What What's the career path like? So you know, for someone like you, how, what kind of options do you have as you continue growing in your career in 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 this function? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, so. For me, um, yes, and for a lot of people, for a lot of people here as well. I mean, the the one of the like I guess the like interesting or the opportunities which IFC offers is I mean it's a very big organization. There are a lot of paths you can take. I mean, either it's an investment track or it's advisory or it's more of strategy upstream work uh, within the organization. So and there are lots of like different sectors. So I mean, there's a lot of things you can. Uh, as you progress um, in your career, uh, a lot of uh, places within the organization where you could uh, take your career and uh, uh, learn new things and continue to like develop as a professional. But uh, if we look at, I mean, people, it's usually people tend to build here long-term careers or some people leave in about like five, maybe three to five years after they have built their deal sheet, they got like experience and i mean exposure to different emerging markets um uh, sometimes i mean people um, exit either to like maybe local or regional private equity funds or start their own uh, companies so um that's yeah. how 
Okay. Usually people exit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, IFC is a big company, a big organization. I, I, I don't want to call it a company. But, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's <laughs> institution, a, institution. It's a big institution. So uh, there's definitely a lot that you can do inside the company, but it's, it's inside the organization. But it sounds like uh, essentially you, you, if you want, you can just stay in the field of investing and, you know, keep growing and you're probably going to work on bigger and bigger and bigger deals. Or you could leave and start your own fund or, or join some of these organizations that you end up working with as you're working in this field yourself. Right, yeah. right. I mean, especially here, I mean, since we work a lot with uh, in the market through World Bank and like engagement with them, we work a lot with uh, the government, the local uh, like municipalities, etc. There is also, I mean, eg- root people uh, exit to, to government uh, positions and... Uh, or like other like foundations, etc., where yeah. they uh, continue to work on like uh, developments um, or projects or like initiatives which are have to do with development impact or with development makes sense. finance makes sense mm-hmm. makes sense. So what is, what is your typical day like? Like if I run into you on, on mm-hmm. a day, what would I find you? What kind of things would I find you working on? Well, every day is every there is no day there is no day which is the same so every day is different so if you're working on a deal i mean uh sometimes your lawyers are i mean we have, i'm based currently in washington dc but on some deals i had like a lawyer in india on some it's lawyers in singapore for instance or some other specialists so it's uh, you are constantly working i mean 24 7 in terms of replying to emails and being always uh, like accessible but um, if I was to look at a typical day I mean there is I guess a combination of uh, work with purely like more like investment finance type of work where you look at the model you review the financials you make an assessment of what is this company's or potential investments like unit economics do you like the business model what is the competitive landscape there is a lot of pure um, investment um, work and uh, and you also meet clients a lot of work with clients and reaching out to potential clients in the regions a lot of work also inside the organization on uh, like uh, more like we call it upstream work so more like strategy and like new products where we uh, as an institution could deliver more of the like large-scale solutions Mm -hmm. to certain markets where there are some frictions or inefficiencies so you also uh, end up working uh, on some of the like corporate initiatives where you can think more on a bigger scale on like how to solve some of the problems in the markets where we operate. Right, right, so, right, right. Yeah, so it's very, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting uh, combination. It's uh, very, every day you learn something new. <laughs> and uh, every day, yes, uh, you meet people from, I mean, like organization is so diverse, Uh I mean, in our, uh, like in a lot of the units here, you meet people from all over the world and uh, people who have worked uh, globally. So there is a lot to learn from uh, from your colleagues yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sure. It sounds like you're you're having a good time. So that's, that's great. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in this space? You've already mentioned how you're learning so much on a day-to-day basis, but uh you know, if, if let's say someone were to come to you and, and say, hey, you know what, what do you think are the five good reasons why I should work in development finance? What would you tell them? Oh, okay. Um, that's an interesting question. So, um, well, I guess 
first is, um, I mean, in no other place, I think you would get exposure to so many different markets, um, so many different like geographies, and um, that is one thing. Mm-hmm. Second is, um, I think the institutional knowledge here is so deep, and um, there is um, so much you can actually like a sponge you can take in and uh, learn from your like senior colleagues uh, people who have i mean done like project finance for 20 years maybe in somewhere in latin america yeah or yeah. trade finance in africa for like also like whole their careers so i think this general like ability to receive exposure to like this breadth of depth of knowledge in this organization uh, that is the second point. Uh, also, uh, organization gives you, I think, an opportunity to truly become a global professional. There are no limits to what you can do. I mean, as long as you demonstrate your ability to execute that you build a reputation within the organization, there are really like a lot of opportunities for uh, professionals to grow. So, and, so uh, it, yeah. what I should clarify is that it's not so much that I'm asking why someone should work at IFC because, of, of course, uh, you know, the, it's, a, it's a known name. It's a large uh, institution which offers you access to so many people who, who, who know what they're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess my question is more from the point of view of just the, the field, right? That let's say I'm in, in business school right now. And, oh, I see, I see. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not sure what to do. And, you know, I go for this development <laughs> finance career talk. <laughs> and people are just, you know, it's not about IFC, but development finance. That, you know, but this... overall development finance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So why you should work in development finance? Well, uh, I think it's a field, if you are t- truly interested, I mean, in impact investing, these, these are the things you really like deeply care about. This uh, like sector is a good place to launch a career in this space and learn because I think, as you mentioned earlier, like this institutions like IFC have been around for like, like 50, 60 years. So yeah. this is a good place to, I mean, this like joining an institution rather than like, you know, some impact investment, like startup, this <laughs> is pro- maybe <laughs> no, nothing against <laughs> startups, but maybe this is a, a better uh, like career choice early on in your career. Okay. Uh, then, um, second, um, at least, uh, I mean, both UBRD and here IFC, there is a, I mean, good work-life balance uh, for um, professionals. So uh, generally, people are very respectful of your time. And uh, compared to, like, for example, before I was in investment banking, this is a very different, um, like, lifestyle. Mm. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's also a choice you make. So that is the second uh, point. Like, yeah. I guess generally better work-life balance. Third, uh, I think it's... Uh, I mean, ability to, like, if, if you are I mean, interested in, generally interested in finance and, and this is your passion, you enjoy corporate finance. In development finance institutions, I mean, like IFC or any other one, I think uh, there is a lot of, like, innovation being done right now uh, in the emerging markets. So it is a good opportunity to actually work on and be get receive exposure to this, like, new 
uh, products and uh, new solutions in this challenging markets, for instance. Okay. All right. Very good. <laughs> I think you were like, oh, let me see why you should work in development finance. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, gave us a, you gave us a good <laughs> list. Thank you. Are, are there any aspects about working in development finance that you, so not, doesn't have to be about IFC, but the field in general, are there any aspects that you do not like? Well, um, in general, um, I think with development finance, like a lot of the projects we work on are, I mean, those are not easy projects. So we are there specifically because like private sector could not do it um, or um, it's a very, I don't know, high risk country. It's a right. like conflicted state. So that's why we are working there. So, I mean, generally uh, because of that and because of high like regulatory risks, uh, deals can take longer to close mm. than than maybe if you were working just for like private equity fund here in the US like it would be like much faster because it's an, it's an easier market you have less of like internal stakeholders so here i mean um like deal uh, that it takes long to close deals that could be a challenging uh, like right. frustrating factor and also i mean i think the bureaucracy could be uh an issue <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah that, 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 those uh-huh. are those are those are good points and are usually what are the biggest challenges that you run into on your project so not necessarily things which are just frustrating but just some of the challenges you know which which makes all of this uh super hard mm-hmm. well uh well some of the projects you may work on is, uh, I mean, it's a great company. It's good management, good business model. You like it, very strong development impact. But some, like some of the challenges, the common ones are like regulation. Like there is not regulation in place, which allows you, for instance, to invest. And you have to like wait until you can actually disburse funds to a company, for instance. Yeah. Or the second is, I guess, the that. The risk is so high in some of the markets where we operate, like, for example, macro risk, a fixed risk. And the challenges are, like, how do you, I guess, balance the financial return, expected financial return, and then the development impact? Because some of the projects are very high on the development yeah. impact scale, but then yeah. there's so much uncertainty in terms of like, of your, like, financial return. And uh, it's very hard even sometimes, like, to quantify Yeah. Um, for like this volatility around FX, for example, for certain countries. So uh, yeah. those are like, I mean, the usual challenges we face when we look at some projects. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. And, and now that you say it it, it, it does sound like that's the kind of thing that you will be running into on a regular basis on your project. So um, I just have a few more questions now from the point of view of someone who, uh, you know, is interested in getting into development finance and just trying to figure out how. So uh, first of all, what do you think are, are the top three to five skills that you think someone should have to do well in this field? Um, well, uh let me think. So, uh, the person has to be intellectually curious, first of all, hmm. uh, because uh, there is uh, so much to learn and there are so many, I mean, geographies, projects you look at, different business models. So, you'll be constantly challenged. I mean, going back to the previous question, I think it ties well. 
but we constantly challenge with problems and like we have to come up with the solutions uh, like sometimes like several solutions how to tackle them uh, which you present to the management etc so i think you have to constantly yeah you, it, it's, it has you have to be very like intellectually curious person first of all mm-hmm. and uh, uh, second is um Think mobility, overall geographic, geographically like mobile person, um, willing to move around the globe and to work in different countries, geographies. And uh, I think those kinds of people, like adventurous people in a way, yeah. will uh, like this work because you get exposed to so many different things. And I think once you are in the region and uh, you get exposure throughout your career to maybe like three, four different continents, I mean, uh, that is something really um, amazing. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Uh, any, anything else? Uh, no, I think this is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this has uh, been enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and of course, like, you know, you should have a, a, a head for numbers, I guess, if you're going to work in finance. Uh, that's something that you should be interested in. Um, yes, I mean, for numbers, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think the, quanti- like the, uh, the quantitative skills are, yes, it's a... Uh, uh, by default, like that's why I didn't even you mention it. You have to have that, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that you brought up the the travel piece and how you should be uh, adventurous and and be curious to actually go to these countries. So, do you have to travel a lot to these? Like, you know, let's say you're considering investing in a bank in um, Nigeria. Do you go to Nigeria? Yes. So, I mean, we travel for I mean different purposes. So, you travel to for business development for instance, to a certain region where you meet uh, potential clients in different countries. Uh, you, sh- you can you also travel, as I, as when I was going through like investment classes, you also go for an appraisal when uh, you are doing your due diligence on a potential investment. Hmm. Um, you also, I mean, go to conferences, different meetings, uh, maybe meet, a re- meet regulators, etc. Like um, so that's also piece, like travel piece. Right. But overall, I mean, most of the staff, most of the like work is being done in the regions. So people generally are expected to be uh, mobile geographically. So I mean, um, a lot of the time people go on assignments for a couple of years to different regions and work there. Um, oh, and wow. then they, yeah. they can come back to their, we call it home station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wh- what is the typical background that is required? To get into this this field, if you can actually share the the various uh, levels, so to say, that people can get into, and what do you have, what do you have to have in your background to get there? Mm-hmm. Well, um, so there is, um, I think, so at IFC we have a recruitment program, like rotational program, right after, uh, like for MBA graduates, and uh, it's called Young Professionals Program. So um, that is um, uh, most of it. I mean, hires are have either banking or consulting background, or uh, have had exposure to like international development in the past, or have had experience in emerging markets, for instance. So um, that program, so the young professionals program uh, recruitment uh, happens like on campus and also like. People just apply uh, online through like, and uh, for experience hires, people, I mean, more like um, also apply online. And then also we have a third route, which is uh, like consulting route, uh, short, we call it, like we call them STCs, short-term consultants. Hmm. So people also join uh, the organization 
as like short-term consultants first. They work on like short-term contracts. Um, and um, then um, either they continue working on like, for example, different projects. And uh, eventually they can become part of staff if there is an, like, if there is an opening later and they have shown good work and established yeah. their reputation within the unit. So then they can become a regular staff. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So mm-hmm. the, this short-term consultant is potentially open to anyone uh, if, as long as you have certain expertise. What, what, what kind of expertise do you look for when hiring for STCs? So for STCs, I mean, it's very um, specific. Usually STC gets hired for a specific project, hmm. uh, for a specific task. So uh, there is, an, I mean, like a job description and it's very like skill driven. Like it, it has to be like person has to have you know, expertise in microfinance, for instance, in emerging markets hmm. or so person has to be very, very knowledgeable or like more of like specialist in his uh, her field. Yeah. So, so we have, I mean, I mean, consultants, even like we're very, very experienced professionals who have been, I mean, CEOs of companies who join as consultants. There are also, I mean, uh, fresh graduates who join as consultants and they do more like analyst work, more like research, data collection, and support more senior people. I see. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, there is a very wide range of, I mean, skills. But usually, uh, as I said, the uh, consultants get hired for a specific project and uh, like for a certain period. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and so most of the hiring for when you said that, you know, a lot of people join with prior banking or consulting background or development finance directly. Uh, is this hiring happening in MBA programs or elsewhere also? So, um, so in, our, in my year, uh, they came to our, they came to campus. I think it was like five, six target schools. It's like five, six target schools globally in terms of MBA programs. And also, uh, there are, I mean, there are people who have been hired through like uh, public policy, international development kind of programs, right. like at Georgetown or like Harvard Kennedy Public uh, hmm. School, I think. Hmm. So, um, so there are people, I mean, uh, from different backgrounds, but I would, yeah, but predominantly it's uh, maybe like 70% uh, uh, MBAs. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so let's say someone wants to learn more about development finance. What are the various organizations that exist in this space? How do I get in? Are there any resources that you recommend people can look at? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, um, so there is, uh, I mean, besides the regular, like look at websites of uh, different um, DFIs out there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, beside the um, IFC, which we are like global, there are also more like regional de- uh, development finance institutions. Uh, so that is EBRD, that is IDB, uh, I think uh, it's um, Inter, like, uh, Inter-American Development Bank, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, Inter-American Development Bank. Like, for instance, they cover like Latin America and Caribbean. Or there are regional players like Asian Development Bank, which covers predominantly like Asia. Uh, or there's the German KFW Development Bank. So there are different organizations out there. And uh, you just, I mean... Usually people, I mean, you look for a website, you look for, you read their annual reports, strategy, uh, like strategy, um, like uh, papers, uh, also speak like with their current employees yeah. and, um, 
get a feeling for the organization, for the culture, for what kind of projects they do. Just try to understand like where you would fit in better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, but it, it does, it sounds like there isn't really, uh, is there like some sort of blog or some newsletter mm-hmm. that is dedicated to this field? Uh, really, uh, I'm not really sure because I haven't really looked. Hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure. Probably, I mean, maybe there is, but um, I, I came across actually a couple of weeks ago that I think there was a good paper um, it's dated, it's, it was published in September 2014. Okay. Uh, it's called Impact Investing in Development Finance. Okay. Um, so maybe, yeah, people could Google it. And uh, there I actually found a very good overview of all DFIs, who does what, in which regions they are present, what kind of products they have, uh, and uh, how, do we, how do they define themselves. So Interesting. Um, I think... Yeah, so I think that paper could be useful, but I'm not aware of like any social platform or uh, like where there's a discussion. Yeah, no, but um, this paper is a useful tip. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, thank you so much, Mariam. This was so helpful. Uh, you you gave a lot of great insights and inputs. Any other career advice you'd like to share with anyone who's either interested in development finance or, uh, you know, just is early in their careers and so any general career advice would also be helpful. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess um, I would advise people just uh, to be strategic about your uh, career choices. And um, it's like a strategy course, basically, just um, understand that when you are an asset in this market, and just clearly understand what is your value proposition, and what maybe you can do better than others, than other job seekers what you truly enjoy doing, and then just make a decision based on that. And uh, I mean, throughout your career, and like, I, I mean, just, just speaking from my personal experience, throughout my career as well, like I faced, I mean, you'll face trade-offs constantly, mm. uh, wherever it's a decision you know, to pursue a very demanding job, but with very good like rewards, but then you forgo your personal lives and sometimes like health and etc. Or you can opt for a better like work-life balance job where you enjoy uh, both work and you also have time for your family. Uh, but uh, I mean, there is no, I guess there is no right or wrong solution, which mm-hmm. fits everyone. Uh, so just, I guess, just be, uh, like try to understand for yourself what works better for you and what are your priorities and uh, where you, and where is your competitive advantage uh, in this market? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. That is that is great advice, Mariam. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for taking time out at the end of your day to record this. Uh-huh. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Sonali. And I hope this will be helpful I'm <laughs> to sure candidates, the candidates out there. Yes. Um, yes. And yeah, I, uh, thank you very much for uh, hosting me today. Thank of you. Of course. Uh-huh. Of course. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, Do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. 
Of course, if you have any questions at all or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn, educate, discover. Or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.